0: To the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Today I've got a real, real treat. I've got a a catch up with a really old friend, someone who's a wealth of knowledge has a tremendously large and fun, awesome music academy that serves his local community. And is someone who's also branched into the online teaching space and is working on both online and offline teaching. So let's welcome Mr. Brad Litton from the Vernal Rock Academy and SimpleGuitar.com to Top Music Guitar Podcast. Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. Well, we always have lots of fun on these podcasts. And it's always great catching up with you, Brad, and hearing the... The wealth of knowledge you have to share, and you know <laughs> all, all the cool things that you do because you're definitely an awesome dude, and I can't wait to introduce you to the listeners. So, I first met Brad, uh, I think it would have been about 2015 at an international guitar teachers event, and uh, yeah. We were both running different businesses. I was just starting out around about that time and, and Brad was somebody who I think already had a multiple six figure studio at that point and um, was you know very well established in his business and was sort of like a you know, a role model for me to look up to and get advice from so just want to say thanks Brad for uh, you know helping me get to where I am right now and I uh, definitely want to help you help other people around the world whether it's as a guitar teacher in capacity or Whether it's just simpleguitar.com helping more people learn guitar, we definitely want to get out all the wonderful things you're
1: doing to the rest of the world. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, kind of crazy. It's been like seven years. Is that (laughs) It's nuts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, unreal. <laughs> it's
0: definitely nuts. And, you know, a few ups and downs across those seven years are on both of our parts. Uh, but that's what life is like. And that's what business is like. What, always like trying to figure out what the, uh, the problems are and how to overcome them. And hurdles are going to come along. We've got to jump over them. Obstacles are going to knock you down, how to get back up. So it's definitely going to be an interesting journey and hopefully a wonderful episode for all our listeners. So, for those of listeners who don't know you all that well, how about you give us a brief overview of your story so far? your journey and transition from, you know, guitar teacher to music school owner to the online learning space and even getting out of teaching before getting back into it and reopening your academy.
1: Oh yeah. Well, how long do we have? (laughs) Because this can get late. No. So I started teaching guitar, uh, out of my mom's basement in 2009. And, uh, and then I think it was 2013, I expanded and opened up a school and started hiring other teachers At our height, we had about 150 students. We were doing multiple six figures and had about seven teachers. It was a lot of fun. But then, uh, you know, there were some mistakes made and bad advice taken. And uh, we can talk more about that later. But then I ended up actually shutting it down and taking a two-year break from teaching. Moved across the country and moved to Texas. Was there for a little bit. And then we ended up reversing course and coming back and now I've got my school open again and we actually just uh it, it's only been a few months but we just crossed our six-figure mark again and uh so we're congratulations. just congratulations. Uh, you know it's all sorts of fun and then uh well I guess right before we came back I did I started the online stuff which is simpleguitar.com uh courses uh youtube channel all that fun stuff so it's a lot of fun it's been That's awesome crazy. <laughs> and how are you finding it being back in the teaching game after the two year absence? You know, it's actually really funny because I took two years off. I went and worked for the man, you know, and uh, that's how I always think of it because working, whether you're a teacher or you're playing or whatever, doing music is so fun. And so having a regular day job was, was different, but the thing was, is my wife and I would go on walks and we talk about stuff, and we always ended up about, you know, talking about having a school again and what we would do and how we would do things differently or, or you know, ideas that we wanted to, to tease out and see what else we could do. And so, getting back into it was actually a lot of fun, and it's been more fun as I as I keep going and um, have other teachers working for me again now, and and it's 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 actually really cool. Yeah. And it looks like you've just changed
0: location. So did you move back? I assume you were teaching out of your house for a bit and now you've just upgraded. Is that the situation?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, when we moved back to Utah, where we live uh, and, and where we're from, um, I taught out of the house for a little bit. And then we were like, you know what, we just got to do the school again. You know, it, it was The thought was, okay, well, I'll just take some private students. I'll teach on the side. We'll get Simple Guitar going. But then the more that we thought about it, the more we're like, you know what? The school was fun and we really liked a lot of the stuff that we did before. So let's do it again. So we dove in and we're in a commercial location. I've got seven rooms, you know, all that fun stuff that comes along with that. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been great. Fantastic. And what did you miss most about teaching? I think the thing that I miss most about teaching was seeing the impact on kids' lives. You know, that was the big thing. Uh for me, the most fun that I had teaching before was working with bands because that's my thing. You know, I I grew up you know, learning from Green Day records and Foo Fighters and stuff like that. And so we used to have all of our students would get together and play in bands and do concerts and stuff and I was like, "Man, that was fun." because we really got to see not just musically how it impacted the kids, but how it changed their character, how it made them into better people, the connections that they made that still exist, you know, and it was such a bigger thing than just, you know, going to work 40 hours a week and collecting a paycheck. Um, I really missed that impact. So that was the big thing when I was coming back. I was like, ah, I'm excited to see these kids' lives change because of music again. Yeah. I think that's,
0: You know, really great and really, really important because some people, especially the last two years of the pandemic and everything, the whole world got turned upside down. And a lot of people found themselves, you know, uh, out of teaching work or having to go and get a different job. And some of those guys still might be out of teaching. So to hear the fact that, you know, you have such an impact on people's lives and the fact that that's what a lot of people get into teaching for is to be able to share that passion and have that impact on, on other people, particularly, you know, young learners, although. The age doesn't really matter, but tell us a bit more about this band program because looking at all the the photos you put up on social media or on your website, it looks like a really fun, rocking place. So tell us more about what you do that makes...
1: Is it still called the Rock Academy Vernal? So it used to be just the Rock Academy because one, I didn't have any awareness of other rock academies around the country. (laughs) Which yeah. There are other people using that title. And so this time, uh, well, a question that I got regularly was, is this a franchise? You know, people thought it was like School of Rock or something like that. And, and it never was. It was our own thing. And so this time, instead of just the Rock Academy, we are Vernal Rock Academy. So we added our location to that name so that people are clear that this is a local, uh, you know, kind of a proprietary type school, not a franchise. So. Yeah, wonderful. Well, tell us all about Vernal Rock Academy (laughs) and all the wonderful things that you're doing there. Like I was saying before, my thing is playing in bands. I mean, I primarily play guitar. I've also played piano and drums and, and done all that. But, you know, guitar is my main instrument. So that's how it goes. But I've always loved playing in bands. I mean, that was, you know, in high school and after high school, playing in bands and recording and And going around playing shows and stuff like that, that's an experience that uh, I think most kids dream of at one point or another, right? But for me, when I was starting out, I played guitar for five years before I ever played in a band Uh, just because there was no direction. There's no, you know, how do you do this or who do you jam with or anything like that? And so what we've decided is that our our school um, now, this time around, has a controlling idea. We have a why to everything that we do. And that really led us to go, yes, we have to do the bands. So I was listening to a business book and going through everything that they were talking about. It's, uh, it's Business Made Simple by Donald Miller. Great book, by the way. Um, But in it, he was talking about coming up with your one liner, you know, what is it that, that what's the reason for why you do what you do? You know, if you can have a sentence and say, we do this because of this, you know, and I remember I was on a road trip, I was listening to this book and it was awesome. And I thought, you know what, when it boils down to it, the the thing that I want for students is I want students to feel like a rock star the same way that when I was first starting out in bands or, or listening to green day records and rocking out in front of the mirror with my guitar, you know, that's kind of embarrassing, but you know, who hasn't done it? Right. We um, all do that. Don't we? <laughs> yeah. Right. So maybe not green um, day, but everyone's got their own little band where they jump on the bounce, bounce on the bed with, with the guitar. <laughs> exactly. Right. So um, I wanted kids to have that feeling. So I decided our purpose, our thing is because everybody deserves to feel like a rock star. And so now whenever we do something, when we make a decision about the school or or when I'm thinking about adding a program or or adding an instrument or something like that, that's the controlling idea behind everything. Is, is that going to help our students feel like a rock star? And if it isn't, we don't do it. For example, I got asked just yesterday about ukulele lessons. Do we do ukulele lessons? I had to tell her, no, we don't. Um, ukulele is popular, and we, we've thought about maybe doing a summer class, but it's just not the thing that, one, there's not enough people asking for it regularly. But at the same time, we're not building rock bands out of ukuleles, you know, and I guess that's something that if we wanted to, we could explore, but it's not our core thing. It's not what's going to help kids feel like a rock star as much as, you know, getting them in an actual band with drums and guitars and bass and everything like that going. Yeah, that's totally awesome. And I guess one day when ukulele becomes as cool as electric
0: guitar and people start using it on stage way, way more, maybe uh, there will be a, a time and a place for ukulele. But uh, yeah, now same thing. I, I notice get tons of people like uh, inquiring about ukulele, and I often and not no disrespect to the people that do teach ukulele or play ukulele or have the programs, but sometimes just like, is this
1: st- has this transcended being more than a novelty instrument <laughs> at this point in time? I, I don't know, because the thing is, and I tell people this all the time, I was like, well, if you learn guitar, it's about a 20 minute lesson to teach you how to play ukulele. Because most people aren't wanting to be like a, a ukulele virtuoso. They want to know a few chords so that they can strum some songs with their family or around the campfire or something like that. And so it, it's, I don't know if it justifies having a whole program to everything, but it is cool and it, it's it is fun to play, but. Like you said, I don't know if it's transcended being novelty yet. I mean, certain genres, most definitely. It's like, hey, if you like
0: <laughs> reggae or some like you know, acoustic folk, then yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, in terms of the vast majority of your contemporary repertoire, it's definitely guitar's is the, the option to go with. And I guess you and I might be a little bit biased in that regard, but no, definitely. But I, I love that how you just sort of said, yeah, you may as well, if you learn guitar, it's only 20 minutes to adjust to learning how to play ukulele. So let's just learn guitar anyway. Yeah. I mean, you might as well, because then you can do more. So, 100%. Now, in terms of uh, your band programs, is it something that everyone goes into or they have to opt into or it's uh, a a program that runs towards the end of the year? How do you sort of
1: structure your band programs? So right now, so we license um, Dave Simon's band programs, Junior Rockers, Kids Rock, and they're great. And then what we've done in the past before. So those programs really focus on beginners and getting them going and and teaching them the instruments as they play in a band, which is a lot of fun. But then on top of that, what we've done in the past is having our students in lessons and in classes and creating performing rock bands that actually go out and play gigs in the community. Um, And so that is a lot more fun uh, for us. I mean, I, I love junior rockers. and I love kids rock. They've been awesome. And I highly recommend them if you're not doing them. Um, but when, when we've got more advanced students and, and we get them into, into a room and they're playing Weezer or they're playing ACDC or Zeppelin or something like that, uh, it's totally different than, than, um, you know, having to do twinkle, twinkle, little star in a guitar lesson or something like that. And it's way more inspiring to the kids. So what we do is we break it down and we we give them their part. We say, all right, so here's the song that we're going to play. Here are all the different parts and we have to assign what part is what, and we have to make sure that they can actually play the part or sing the part. And uh, then we tell them, look, you've got two weeks to get your part down. (laughs) And so you're going to have to work on this and practice every day. You've got to practice at least for an hour a day, get your part down. You've got two weeks to do that. And then we are going to be able to perform this. And so we've had bands doing that um, and going out and playing gigs all around town, going to parties, doing company parties, doing community events. Um, And it's, it's fun because those kids get up on stage. They're playing out in front of everybody. Everybody thinks that they're awesome. They get to feel like a rock star. They get recognized at school and it's, it's a proud papa moment. That's for sure. You know,
0: 100% I can only imagine how many proud mamas and poppers are, you know, watching their kids get up on stage and, and rock out and jam. So that's absolutely amazing. And it obviously gives back to the community. How do you normally go about organizing the gigs
1: for these students? So that all boils down to networking and knowing people in your community, because if people know who I am and what I'm doing with the school and stuff like that, naturally, if I can stay top of mind with the stuff that I'm doing and, and doing other things in the community and networking with people, then when they have a need arise for, Oh, Hey, we need some music for this thing, or we need, we need somebody for this. The first person that they're going to think of is, is me and my bands and, and the stuff that we are doing. And that naturally gives us opportunities. And so I've been, you know, I've been asked by people all the time. It's like, Oh, Hey, your band's opening for these, you know, uh, big bands from the nineties and, and stuff like that. Or, um, how do you do that? What's going on? What are you doing? What's your magic trick? And that's the magic trick. The magic trick is get to know the right people, be the right person, um, be available and make sure that, they know what you can do and, and then deliver on the value. And so that's how we always make that happen is we get to know important people in the community and then we deliver on it.
0: Ooh, if anyone's listening to that, make sure you write down those points. <laughs> and how proactive were you in
1: going out and you know, building these relationships with these right people? So really, it's not that hard. Um, I mean, so in my local area, we look at like the Chamber of Commerce or other business groups. Big one for me has actually been local radio stations, getting to know the owners of local radio stations. And I've done that. I've run radio ads just to build a relationship with them. And that has actually played out to be tons of opportunities, whether it's for our bands or for, for you know, they need, they have an event, they need someone to play the star spangled banner or something like that, or sing the star spangled banner or they're doing a concert and they need openers, you know, it's all sorts of stuff like that. So local radio stations, I know that radio isn't as, as huge nowadays as it was, you know, 20 years ago, but that has actually been kind of my secret weapon is getting to know the local small radio um, station owners and getting on their good side and then leveraging that down the road. Awesome! Sounds very, very exciting. And, uh,
0: uh, the thing I want to highlight is the fact that you invested into you know, advertising with the purpose of building the relationship rather than necessarily the advertising itself, although I'm sure that was a big part of it. And that's something you know I want to stress to the listeners and those looking to build businesses is you need to invest not just in uh, you know, getting more students and things like that, but building relationships. And often the best way to do that is just to go out and do business with people in your area, whether that's going to uh, a cafe once a week and talking to the owners or, as you've said, taking out advertising with a particular... Uh, group or or radio station, all really really important stuff. And uh,
1: are people now coming to you, you know, proactively and saying, "Hey, Brad, we need this or we need that." Oh yeah, I get messages all the time. So people are always emailing or contacting me on Facebook or something like that. Hey, we need somebody for this. Who do you know? And and uh, and all, well, I guess on top of that too, I I also host a quarterly open mic night. And so that gives everybody in the community an opportunity to come out and showcase their musical abilities and kind of build community that way and get to know each other. And, and that's a lot of fun. So that's, that's another way. But um, yeah, it's, when it boils down to it, and, and you can attest to this as well, knowing all the stuff that you've done, is your success in anything really is going to boil down to the relationships that you have with the people around you. And so learning to build those relationships and learning how to be a person who offers and delivers on value is going to be good for your business. It's going to be good for your students. And I think that's kind of the bigger thing because what, I mean, if the more opportunity that you can offer your students, the more unique experiences that they can have, um, the better for them. You know, it's the kind of stuff that they never forget. That's it. And if you're the only one doing it, and
0: you, you, it's almost that positive feedback loop. When you're the go-to guy, people just keep on coming to you. And as long as you keep on providing value and putting good stuff out to the community, people keep on seeing it, you just get stronger and stronger and just reinforce whatever it is you're doing. So often just getting your foot in the door, having those relationships, um, always working to maintain them and, and most importantly, consistently providing value to people. That's what uh, you know allows you to rise to the top. And, and once you've done the first couple, it would get easier and easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Brad, I want to go back to something you said a bit earlier. Uh, we obviously mentioned that you were a multiple six-figure earning teacher and uh, obviously shut the, the academy down. Um, but within six months of reopening, you've already crossed that six-figure threshold. So congratulations. It's easier the second time. <laughs> Way easier the second time. That's something, again, I've experienced in the last couple of months as well, relocating to the other side of the city. Um, once you have the knowledge in your mind and you know what to do, um, it's ways you go out and execute because the knowledge is there. The confidence is there. You've already got the systems in place. What are some of the actions that led to you having some massive growth in your music school, either the first time around or the second time around? Or what has been consistent in both iterations of your business?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing the second time around has been having that controlling idea that why we're doing what we're doing for the school. Because that really defined a lot more for me, okay, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to do the, the instruments that focus on rock bands. So, we're going to do guitar and bass, drums, voice, and piano. And before, we used to kind of chase anything. You know, you, it, was, it was about the dollars. You know, how many, how many dollar signs can I add up? And, you know, at one point, we tried violin. We did used to do ukulele lessons you know, and we've done all sorts of different stuff like that. And when it boiled down to it, some of the stuff that I did in the past didn't help students feel like rock stars. And so the second time going, okay, what is the stuff that's going to help our students feel like rock stars and help them get results and do better more than just chasing, okay, this is our gross income. You know, this is how much we're making. I think that has a much bigger impact because on top of deciding what you do, it also defines what not to do, what you can avoid, what you don't have to worry about. Because before, um, I used to look at like other teachers that were teaching and I would see what they were doing and I'd be like, oh, I've got to do that. Or or they or they'd get some new technology and be like, oh, I have to get that program or I have to do this or or I have to wear a suit all day or, you know, whatever it was. And when it boiled down to it, uh, none of that mattered, because if I didn't have well, when I didn't have the controlling idea of, okay, whatever we do has to help our students feel like rock stars. I was chasing all sorts of stuff that didn't matter, you know, and, and didn't, didn't impact our students and help them more. So I think this time around, it's actually more streamlined. It's easier. Um, and it's been better for our students. And I think that's, that's what matters the most. I mean, yes, making money is good. Being successful is great, but if you're not delivering, for your students. If you're not really providing a great experience for them and getting them results, then it, it's, it doesn't matter because it goes away. 100%. And yeah, as you said, if you're not providing value if the students,
0: don't feel like they're getting their money's worth out of it, then they're not going to stick around. So the best way to make money, if that is your goal, is to be providing value to students. And I think this principle, uh, what, what's the name of it, where you just ask yourself a question and you mentioned it, the John, Donald Miller idea?
1: Yeah, so uh, he talks about having a. Geez, I don't remember the exact wording that he said, but it was basically okay. We provide uh, coming up with a statement that is basically along the lines of okay, we provide music lessons, and we do it this way because, and then whatever you you end that sentence with after because is is your why. It's your reason for what you're doing. It's it's and then filter everything else through that as you do it. So you can if you've read uh, you know, um, jeez, now I don't uh, find your why by Simon Sinek. Uh, great book, another great book. There you go. He talks about it's it's far more important to understand why you're doing what you're doing as opposed to what you're doing or how you're doing it because if you understand why you're doing something, then it defines what you do and how you do it. And so just thinking of things that way of okay, I want to own a music school and I want to do it this way because I want students to feel like rock stars. I believe that everybody deserves to feel like a rock star. And you know, a lot of traditional guitar lessons uh don't help students feel like rock stars. I can't tell you how many times I've had students come in that did nothing but play twinkle twinkle little star or you know other other methods that aren't as cool as your guitar ninjas that shall remain nameless students is playing single note melodies all the time or uh even i i'm not even a fan of uh of starting out with open chords with students just because they can be difficult if they're just barely starting out you know and so that controlling idea of of understanding, okay, this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because everybody deserves to feel like a rock star. So how can I help them feel like a rock star? You know, that's something that when I started simpleguitar.com, that's the same idea that I ran for with that too. So for example, most guitar students, when they start out, are either playing like single note melodies or they're starting out with open chords, right? Right. And I thought, well, what's another way that we can do this that are going to help people? And I've done this with kids and adults and teens and everybody, and it works. What's a way that we can help people feel like a rock star right off the bat? Something really easy, but uh, packs a punch to it. So I started picking my brain while I wasn't teaching to do this. I, didn't, I couldn't experiment or anything until, until I moved back from Texas. And what I decided was, why not start in drop D tuning and just have, have them play drop D power chords, right? It takes one finger. Uh, if, if it's too hard to do the full power chord, they can just do one string and it can, it can work great. Right. And I was like, well, what, what can I do with that? So I started to experiment as soon as I started teaching again, I just started doing this right off the bat and started showing people how to play the middle. By Jimmy Eat World because it's three chords for the entire song, and it's already in drop D tuning. So I would just grab their guitar, tune it down to drop D for them, and show them. Look, here's your open power chord, and have them play that, and have them uh, play it a few times and get a little bit comfortable with it. Then I show them now. Check this out. If you lay your finger across this fret right here, you can you can get a cool sounding power chord too, and have them do that and get comfortable and get them doing all three of those power chords and then linking it together without stopping. Most people can handle that in a few minutes. And so that's resulted in just yesterday, I had another kid in here and we were 19 minutes into his lesson and we had played the full song of uh, the middle by Jimmy Eat world. Mind you, we do it simplified. I mean, we're, we're playing quarter notes, you know, it's half of what they're playing on the record, but it doesn't matter to anybody who's starting out. What matters is, they're playing along with a real song, and they sound cool, and that makes them feel good, right? That's the only thing that matters when it comes to teaching guitar. So, totally different approach. I'd never heard of anybody doing that. I'm sure somebody else thought of it before, but I'd never heard of it, and so I felt really good about myself. But it's it's a ton of fun. So, I, you know, if you want to try it out, have fun with it. Um, I expect royalties, so. though. Joking, um, but no, seriously, try it out because it's fun. If you've got students that are like struggling with open court or with or they're bored with Mary had a little lamb or something like that, and I know Michael, you you don't do that, but but uh, it's worth trying out. Try something different, you know. If that's in line with what you want students to be able to do, it, it may not. It, your your purpose, your why, your your controlling idea for why you're teaching could be completely different from mine. And that's, that's fine. What's important is that you're doing what you want to do rather than just seeing other people do things or taking blind advice. You know, that's a lesson I learned the hard way one time. So sidetrack really quick. At one point, our school, the rock Academy, we had, like I said, seven teachers. We were running all these different programs. We had uh, the bands going, all this stuff. And I, Received and listened to some really bad advice um, because what we were doing was in line with what I wanted to do. Right. And I was told, you know what? You should just be a guitar school. You should shut all that down. And I took that advice and shut it down overnight. <laughs> Worst mistake I've ever made. Seriously, cut the school in half overnight. Um, not only was I no longer as happy in the business. The students weren't as happy either. Like uh, it it killed everything. And and I think that that's one reason why I needed a two-year break from teaching. But now understanding that and looking back on that lesson, that was an important lesson to learn that one, don't take blind advice, right? Think about why you're, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, what you want to accomplish. And then you get to be the judge of whatever advice you want to listen to, but you get to filter it. You get to decide. You don't have to take anybody's word for it just because they're more experienced or they make more money or they do something. You've got to do what you want to do and help people in the way that you can help them best. And that's going to be different for people. So there might be guys out there who who are teaching and Mary had a little lamb is exactly the right thing that they should be teaching first. Or teaching how to play open chords on the first day is exactly what they should be teaching first. It's going to be totally different. But, you know, if you want to try out what I've been doing and start kids and adults and teens and everybody out in drop D just having fun. We just we can literally take any song and simplify it down to drop D power chords and get them playing. Uh, Like I've had kids playing for a few months and they can play full songs and have a dozen songs that they can play all the way through just using drop D power chords just because it's fun. And then later we build up to power chords, you know, in standard tuning and regular open chords and getting into all the regular stuff that we go through. But that has been one way that I've taken that controlling idea and I do it with simple guitar.com too. That's the first thing I tell people to, to go do is go play these drop D power chords just because you're going to feel like a rock star when you do it versus struggling to get your fingers in the right place, you know, and, and that, that can be a struggle for a lot of people. So that's how it goes. It's for me, it's been awesome to try doing things differently and think so much more about what is it that I'm trying to get people to do and get them to, to, to deliver on versus, okay, what's the advice that I'm getting, uh, or what's the, the shiny object that I'm seeing somebody else do and, and trying to copy whatever they're doing, you know? You gotta do your own thing and it's gotta come from you more than from anybody else. Yeah, some really, really great stuff in there,
0: Brad. And I might just go back and pick apart a few things, but even the like the uh the lesson where you had someone playing in the middle, I'm assuming they're on an electric guitar and they're cranked up to sound just like they do on the record. Is that
1: what's happening there? I've done it on both. I've had people come in on acoustic and do it and have a blast. Just because one, power chords sound awesome whether you're playing electric or acoustic, right? Um, a lot of times when somebody comes in, I've had people just use my own guitars too. So I'll pull out one of my electrics so that they can just, and I plug them into my audio interface and when I, and I'm running logic because I have a, I have a Kemper, uh, amp that I just run through my studio monitors using that. So I plug them in and they just use one of the built-in logic amps. And to them, it sounds amazing. They love it because you can just, you can turn on the distortion. That sounds great. But even if they're just playing acoustic, they're playing what sounds like the song, you know they can hear okay, what I'm playing goes with what I'm hearing, and that's pretty awesome because nobody expects to play a full uh top forty hit song on their first day, yeah, and I
0: think it's you just touched on something really important is no one expects to be able to play this sort of stuff, but at the same time they they do kind of expect to play this stuff. one is they go, oh, yeah, it's totally unrealistic for me to play things you know in the first two weeks, but at the same time, a lot of people get frustrated that they can't play what sounds like the record within a short time frame. And it's always that unfair comparison because what they hear on the record is the product of 10 years of hard work and persistence and practice and consistency over a long period of time. And then after six months of learning, they're like, Oh, why can't I play this song yet? I must suck at guitar. But I think what you're doing is you know, right on the money because it allows people to play something right away in this world of instant gratification of Facebook, of video games, of, you know little red flags and notifications and dopamine hits where everyone wants everything right now and they get grumpy or frustrated if they don't get it and not realizing that music, you know, traditionally has taken years or even decades to master. And while it still takes a long time uh, to get decently good at it or comfortable or just the long term physiological changes to take place with your fingers and brain over time, you know, we can still shortcut it by. Learning things in faster and more efficient ways, or as you're doing, taking a simplified approach and saying, Hey, who wrote the rules on guitar and said this is the correct way to play guitar? You know, if you grew up in the 90s when drop D tuning was what all the bands were using, then historically, and contextually, that was how the tuning happened to be, and it's only because of what preceded it and what come after it do we go, okay, yeah, well, there is th- something called standard tuning, and that's the accepted system. But you know, who made the rules <laughs> about what is acceptable as right and wrong? And the fact that most of your favourite '90s bands, whether it's Blink One Eight Two or um, Jimmy Eat World and guys like that, the fact that that's what they used and that's where their musicianship was at for a lot of them means that that's a perfectly valid means of playing along to it. And the fact that you can give someone that rock star experience and have them play along something in their first lesson. Why aren't more teachers doing this? Why aren't more teachers creating that awesome experience? And again, I'd hate to think how many Jimi Hendrix's Eric Clapton's uh, Billy Joe Armstrong's the world has missed out on because their teacher had them learning. Mary had a little lamb or started them on, these open chords. And again, it's it's not to say that this is the right way or wrong way to go about it. And there's definitely a time and a place for exams or open chords and things like that. But what does your student need right now in this moment to get to the next level? What do they need to feel like a rock star? And if you could make them feel like a rock star with drop D power chords, or even just a single string bass line, picking quarter notes, if that leads to them becoming the next Eddie Van Halen, then Or even if it just leads to them having a great hobby for the next 6 to 12 months or their high school years or while they're at home, the kids have just left home and now all of a sudden they've got a few extra hours in a day that they can pick up guitar and connect with their music. Then, you know, you're having an impact
1: on their life. And that goes back to what you said earlier in this call. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the really cool thing about it too. I mean, I've seen this with my own son. He's 12. And uh, I've tried really hard not to force guitar on him. I want him to make the choice to, to learn guitar. And so he's, he's been doing that. So since we started the school back up, actually I've got three of my kids doing lessons right now. Uh, but my 12 year old, he's hit that point where yesterday, um, or just maybe it was two days ago. He said, Hey, I just practiced guitar for four hours. (laughs) It's like, and it's because I started him with something really simple and easy. And now he's, He's into playing open chords and he's like yesterday, he literally was saying, Hey dad, can you show me all apologies by Nirvana? Which also is in drop D. You know, I was like, yeah, we can totally do that. That's, you know, totally, you know, within his realm of capability right now. And what I'm finding is when when people have like an, a little bit easier step into it, like starting with popular music, right? Eventually Um, Most people who start out playing popular music at some point will start to get into more technical, complex stuff like jazz, classical, and, and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But same thing with guitar, getting these kids starting out playing drop D power chords, it gets them to feel successful right away a lot faster and feel like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this and I can play this for my family and I can show off. And that makes me feel really cool. and so it's that same kind of thing. I mean, we get to all the all the regular stuff, you know, all the scales and arpeggios and chords and bar chords and strumming and finger picking and all that fun stuff. But it's just such an easier on ramp, and it fits with what and you know. And the reason why I do it is because of my goal. I want. I believe that everybody deserves to feel like a rockstar, and so that's why I decided to do it that way. So that's totally awesome, and uh, I can just imagine what a fun,
0: engaging fantastic environment you've got going at that school. Uh, diving a bit deeper into what you just said, uh, I find a lot of parents you know, want their kids to love it almost straight away. Or, hey, how come they're not practicing an hour every single day? And I often tell them, you, know, you want to make it fun and easy. And if you set them up for success and nurture that love and appreciation for music, that is what is going to lead to playing an hour a day, six hours a day, a little bit further down the track and every now and then we get someone who's, you know, six hours a day from day one and they're the easiest students to teach, uh, in the whole world. But the majority of students will kind of go, okay, I'm, uh, you know, enjoying this, but it's not my thing, but come six months, 12 months, two years down the track, it, it really does explode and change, doesn't it? So is there anything in particular that you do to like nurture that appreciation or is it just a matter of helping
1: them ease into it with that and, and I think the biggest thing is teaching the kids consistency right off the bat. So parents will have that expectation of, okay, my kid should uh, practice an hour a day. And I tell kids, you know what? Let's start with 10 minutes. And if that's too much for them, let's start with five minutes. You know, and I tell them all the time, look, you're gonna do way better if you play guitar every day, even if it's for a few minutes, than if you cram and you play three hours one day. You know? If you if you're just doing ten or twenty minutes, then the purpose behind that is building the habit. It's not about, okay, right now I'm gonna dive in and I'm gonna be practicing an hour. That's like saying, Okay, I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna start benching three hundred pounds when I've never done anything like that. You know, I don't know what that is in kilograms, guys. I'm sorry. So, uh, but it's a lot of kilograms. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of (laughs) kilograms, right? So it's that same idea. I mean, you have to start small. And so we try to manage those expectations by saying, look, what's more important than practicing an hour a day is practicing consistently every day. Because if students start with that, naturally, they're going to want to increase their time just because they're having fun. And that's what happened with my kid the other day when he came to me and said, hey, I just played for four hours. He's just down there having fun, you know, and that's that's really I tell everybody the secret to getting good at guitar is play every day and challenge yourself. That's it. If you can do that, you're going to get good. So it's about that consistency. Fantastic.
0: And yet you can stay consistent over long periods of time. It's inevitable that you'll eventually become a good guitar player. It just happens. So, Brad, thank you so much for tuning in. Do you have any
1: final last beats of wisdom you can share with our listeners here at Top Music Guitar? I think one thing that I realized during that two-year period where I was not teaching um, is to really focus so much more on the student. And that's that's, you know, kind of why where I've come to with my controlling idea and thinking that everybody deserves to feel like a rock star is make sure that when you're when you're thinking about okay I've got a teaching business and I want to make money and I want to do this make sure that you're thinking about the student more than you're thinking about the dollars that you're going to make because if you do that if you're being generous with your students and you're giving value to them and you're helping them get to do what they want to do the the dollars are going to flow you know that's going to come naturally that's a that's a uh, natural um consequence of helping people more. So make sure that you're focusing on that, get a controlling idea for why you're doing what you're doing. And that's going to help you be way more successful than just, you know, trying to copy whatever anybody else is doing or taking blind advice. And that is fantastic advice there.
0: So Brad, thank you so much for tuning in. For our listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next exciting episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Thanks very much, guys. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work be sure to subscribe to this podcast for links and resources mentioned in this episode including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students visit us at www.topmusic.co guitar or check out the show notes and lastly thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode